podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. All this week on NBC4, new products to new technology. Susan Hogan is showing you how local restaurants are changing the way we dine in and take out in this new world. Tonight at 6. A new twist on outdoor eating. A lot of it is creating flexibility. How one local restaurant is making their outdoor space mobile, giving you plenty of sunshine and social distance for a stress-free meal. It's all part of restaurant revitalization. Tonight at 6 on NBC4, working for you. The Bears. Good evening. Welcome to the forum, LFC Day Chippers Forum. Uh, formerly the Monday Club and all sorts of other names, Phil. Can you remember? Uh, there was the Monday Club, the Tuesday Club. There was the LFC Day Chippers Pod. There was the Open Atoms. And uh, there was many other names that used to be called things that we don't remember anymore. Well, we've called it the forum because we're going to talk about uh, four topics in this forum setting. Um, so tonight I'm uh, I'm your host Andy and joined by Davo. How are you tonight, Davo? Did you say Dandy? Andy? Yeah, good. <laughs> no, shut up. You said you didn't want a host because you're too drunk. Keep going. Oh, no, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> uh, Davo. How are you, Pally? Good. Yeah, good, Andy. Yeah, good to be back on. Good to be back on. Nice setup, by the way. Ah, look, a gaff had to talk me through it. Very yeah. technophobe me, so gaff had to talk me through, but all good now, I think. Yeah, you've got good lighting in the room. I think it brings out your best features. Thanks. Working on that. Working on that. Phil, how are you, pal? I'm just looking at Davo's head. I haven't really copped. He actually looks like a Ken doll. I was going to buy for my daughter today. So it's, it's, it's same hair. It's looking well, and and a beard as well. It's looking. Well. I'm great, Andy. I'm great. Me and the beard, unicorns yeah. are great. Yeah. They're fantastic. I see all the lads getting excited about the old uh, Spores winning tonight. I can't see that shit. Can you not? But yeah, so I'm, I'm great, Andy. I can't wait to talk about the sp- space, the moon, water on the moon, and various other things that we agreed to talk about earlier on. Yeah. Nilo, you're back. It's great to see you. It's good to see you too, Andy. You've got Particularly your, uh, you. Particularly you. You've got your setup all sorted. Your sound <laughs> is great. Your lighting is much better. And you've a good topic this week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's a fantastic topic. I'd say it's the best out of a lot of them, but that's why you're leaving it the last one. True, true. Right, well, uh, we have four topics tonight. We're going to talk about the importance of a good goalkeeper, and um, not just specifically about Alisson, but, uh, and specifically about his strengths, but what a good goalkeeper can do for the rest of the team. Uh, we're going to talk about managers must fail for us, Phil, is that right? What the, should man- do managers, successful managers normally fail for us, or do they not fail? 
uh, we'll get into it. Um, Neil, I want to talk about the slow meandering this gener this generation of football. No, the slow meandering, deathly disintegration of modern football. <laughs> right, fair enough. And uh, I'm going to talk about the. I suppose the lack of expression, players with the with a lack of expression in modern football. It's based on a tweet um, put out by Bear Camp there during the week. But um, if you if you're wondering why we're all uh, full of drink and it's Monday, uh, it is a bank holiday in Ireland, <laughs> so it's allowed. Uh, Phil has Phil, Phil took that out of the la- out of the lap dancing club last night. <laughs> no, <laughs> oh, come here, look, the unicorn has a cock. Phil, put it sideways. <laughs> no, that's its tail, man. <laughs> right, sorry. Are you all right, Phil? <laughs> Nilo, you are tapped. I'm having a great time. I'm do having you, a great do time. Do you unicorns have cocks? Have you ever talked about that? <laughs> I just, I'm just having a great time, Andy. It's, 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 it's great. It's Bank Holiday Monday. We've got work tomorrow, and it's like everything when you're, um, and you're, and it's Bank Holiday Monday. Just ignoring it. Tomorrow's Tuesday, so that's it. How do you feel about it being the very, very last time the hour goes back? I have to say now, for me, it's always been. A th- I'm I'm annoyed about this because there should really be Dublin time. Andy, we had we had almost had a 15 minute segment on a podcast about three years about three years ago about this when it came to transfer deadline day. Dublin time used to exist up until 1952, and it was dropped then. Right, so it's about yeah. time we get back to just being different. Because they were worried about Belfast and all that type. That's not part of Ireland. It's not part of Ireland. It's not part of the EU. Don't care about it. It's all about the EU. We're Europeans, and we're going with the European way. I'd say we just set ourselves to German time. I think like the it's the the slow. Listen, if things had gone differently in the past, we could be all on German time. <laughs> yeah. Is that official? That's this the last ever time it's changing. Yeah. Next yeah, year, yeah. We, next yeah. year we we'll be an hour ahead or behind something a different time than London. So all Not the farmers, like up, all the farmers are going to be out in the dark next year. <laughs> that mattered in 1872. It doesn't matter now. I much prefer having an extra hour in the evening time when it's a bit of, where you can, a bit of brightness and you're not worried about being jumped yeah. on on the way home from work. Like, let's be yeah. honest about it. Like, this, it's, it's ridiculous now. We, like, I don't have cows. don't have to milk them in the morning. It doesn't really bother me. It's, like, it's, it's bright when I go to work at 8 o'clock, but it's dark when I leave at 4 o'clock. Me yeah, dogs. but today felt like it was about... Today felt like the longest day ever. Oh, yesterday. Sorry, yesterday. I don't know what was happening. It was like a day someone hit had another seven hours onto it. It was horrible. Yeah. and Probably it's... because I had an amazing hangover as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, was, it was one that I was actually enjoying it that some, at one stage. It was that bad. So so less chance of getting hopped on in your way home from work, Phil, and less chances of seeing the Banshee. Don't you much less chances of seeing the Banshee. It's the most Fuck that. I mean, I don't know if anyone in the comments... i bring my ex-wife into this for fuck's sake. If anyone in the comments has ever, has ever seen the Banshee, uh, throw, throw your comments our way, but... Uh, anyone uh, in the comments has seen the Banshee won't be in the comments. But if you've heard the Banshee, then there's more chance of hearing the Banshee than seeing it. I used to say that when I was going to sleep. Right. Uh, speaking. <laughs> speak, speaking of the the banshee, um, Adrian uh, <laughs> didn't start this weekend. 
Uh, he could have uh, been saying the ban on tea. I'm not too sure. Uh, Alison was back between the sticks. Uh, it was a surprise sprung on us early Saturday morning by our very own Grizz. Um, and I thought it was a big joke. I couldn't believe it that Alison was back. I know you're supposed to train, but, but fuck me. I was delighted. I would say the team were even more delighted. Um, what what that goalkeeper does, not just his ability, uh, not just how he commands his area and and his qualities with the ball at his feet and his shot stopping, it's it's what he enables the team to do and how he enables them to play in front of him and uh, the cons he gives them. Davo, this is your topic. Take us away. Uh, tell yeah. us how important Allison is. Tell us how important a good goalkeeper is. Yeah, look, I suppose one the, it's not a revelation or anything, this topic, and it's been a week really of... Bad, bad news injury was obviously we got the two wins, which is great. But to get him back was such a such a big boost. I know we were discussing what topics we were going to do, so I said I better do a bit of reading. I didn't know whether to, to do a bit of research, but I did a bit of research. Like he's he's seventy one league games for Liverpool and twenty five clean sheets. That's like that's that's really good. It's 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 excellent. And like when you flip that to Adrian, he played eleven games last year. He only kept two. Now listen, you can't, you couldn't really fault him as as regards. Look, he played eleven, we won eleven, but we all know how good we were last season. And even with Allison, like as I read today, something like there was a fall off, obviously from all the team after we won the league when we came back from lockdown. Before lockdown, uh, Allison's save percentage was up at eighty percent, and I know Phil has been on an awful lot uh, about goalkeeper save percentages, etc. What's acceptable and all that, and eighty percent is, is well above the norm. Well above the norm, so like it's, it's after dropping down a little bit, obviously with with this season and all that. I think he's around seventy two percent save percentage now. Uh, Adrian was at, is at, is as low as forty two, forty three. So just a real. It, 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 I know we don't really like doing stats and throwing numbers about and stuff like that, but I think when you read into them numbers, you can just see. Uh, that's even without people just seeing it in general, his calm and influence and and how uh, how important he is. At the back, I think people. I think we can all see uh, the gap uh, from when he plays and when he doesn't play. You know. Yeah, yeah. The the common influence is uh, is unbelievable. Phil, as an ex goalkeeper, well, not so long ago you were playing over forties or thirty fives. Um, knee operations, back operations, the whole lot since then. Unicorn and the gaff. Unicorn and the gaff. <laughs> so, how did you? Um, how did you bring calmness to your defence? Uh, you know, is it something that all goalkeepers are conscious of? Is it something <laughs> that... never brought cameras down. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> he just left I, us I, with six I, personalities I, in the dresser. I live, I live in the in in that zone between calmness and complete chaos. It's just like sort of organised chaos, Andy. Just go. So goalkeepers are very different. But for me, Alison, and I said this about Adrian coming in, and why I'm not, I'm never losing the shit about Adrian because. Essentially, he's the Mignolet-level goalkeeper, and that's what he is. He's a second goalkeeper. He's your backup goalkeeper. That's all he's going to be, right? But you look at Alisson, and you look at what he does, and what he, it's not so much... It's it's those moments, those different moments where when the ball gets played back to him, I know he nearly gets caught on one at the weekend, but when the ball gets played back to him, you're not shitting yourself. When the ball was played back to Mignolet, we were shitting ourselves because we he was either going to do the little poof, kick, which went to like 40 yards away. When the ball How was, did that go again? Yeah, I, 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 I dare anyone to go back and watch a mini-like kick out. Normally you hear, you only had that, hear that lovely crack where it goes, poof, 
and the ball just takes off and sails down the pitch. Are you hitting someone with a cracking haymaker that makes that noise? With Mignolet, he has a different sound than kick. It's like, it's like he's deflating his foot as he kicks the ball. It's like the air goes out of his foot rather than the ball. Anyway, the... Um, How does Alison's kick sound? Alison's <laughs> kick is like... Boof. It's a clean. You know when you Sorry, hit, the, okay. hit a golf strike, clean, you hear that, hear that sound. Yeah. Right? There's just one yeah. sound. Just out of sweet Mignolet, spot. Yeah, yeah Mignolet's had the delayed sound. It's like it's like a, a plane trying to break the, the sound barrier, but can't. Do you know what I mean? It's just weird. But... I go back to Alistair. Resistance the is the problem there, Phil. It's not so much to, like it's resistance is probably it's wind resistance. When, when you go back, you just you, you look at him with the ball at his feet, and you're never worried. You always know that he has a picture to pitch in front of him. And for me, this is the big difference between elite goalkeepers and not elite goalkeepers, right? They always have a picture of the pitch in front of them. So they know where their next ball is going to. If they catch the ball, they know where the throw is going to. When when they're talking to their defenders, they know where to organise defenders in. And also the biggest bit, and it's never, ever, 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 ever respected enough. They never have to make many saves. I know Davo's gone on about save percentages, but you look at Alisson. How many times is he just standing behind the ball, catching it? Not spreading himself, not having to dive, not having to move, not having to do things. When you think of Adrian, it's all about these mistakes he makes off dives or he's having to spread himself or he's doing something. Whereas with Alisson, it's always just that he just seems to be standing in the right place so he never has to dive. And I, I know the older I got, the longer I played as, 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 uh, in, in nets and stuff like that. And that you know the same. The more experience you got, the more you're able to read the player, more you're able to read the defence and the better position or the better position you should be able to get. So when it came to Adrian, I was like, they're going, he hasn't developed on that much as, as a Liverpool goalkeeper. What the fuck is that? <laughs> I think it's gone, is it? No, I think it's God. I just muted Neil. All right. (laughs) What are you doing, Pat? I didn't do. I was just having a drink here. I didn't do fucking anything. He's he's in the pizza shop there. He's starting off. You know, Apache Pizza said it through a toaster. I didn't. I didn't. Didn't do anything. We are genuinely. I was asking there. Oh, go on. Sorry, you're not. No, no, do you know what I'd like to say about the goalkeeping thing? Is I don't think any of that recent success would have happened if without Alison. Like, like without him, without signing him, I kind of disregard Van Dyke and everybody else we signed. I think he's he's the cornerstone of it all. I honestly really don't think it would have happened without him. We hadn't gotten the goalkeeper. I don't know who else were we linked with at the time. I can't remember. He's not, for me, he's not the cornerstone. He's the doorbell. But then, sorry, he, then he's the coin stone. You know when you build an arch and the stone in the middle yeah. and it all rests against. Yeah, that's him. That's it. So it's like every bit, every bit had to get or like a Romanesque arch. And then you just need to, you need that bit at the top just to hold it all together. So the pressure just keeps it there. Once you take that away, the rest of it becomes weakened. It's like yeah. when you go when you go with um, Van Dijk being out of the defence, it's just weaker. I don't care what anyone says. I know Van Van Bino had a great game in the whole lot, but it's just it's just weaker. It just looks. I reckon weaker. you can it's possibly weaker. you can possibly mitigate some of Van Dijk's absence with other players coming in and playing a little bit differently so you can mitigate it. But I think about Alisson now, I don't think you can mitigate for him and what he brings. I think he's, he's, he's actually is irreplaceable, in my opinion. Yeah. I just want to flip it back to Davo on this because it is his topic, right? The big question at the moment is, is Adrian a good enough second choice or a second second? If if you're going to replace Adrian, how would you go? How would you do it at Davo? How would you go and replace him? Given that he's not going to play much, right? Yeah, I, I, I don't. I, me and you kind of disagree on this, Phil. We have done. I know you think he's perfectly adequate number two, and you'd kind of compare him to the levels of Willie Caballero and and other keepers like that. I personally don't think he, he's good enough. I think. 
he like he causes it like this when he when he plays the defense side and they're not comfortable and I think you've got to have you've got to have someone that they're comfortable in. If you're asked me how I'll go about replacing him, I'd, I'd look to replace him with somebody experienced. I, I know he is experienced as well, but he, he's not good enough. I'd like to. I, I, I personally, I know you don't like him. I would personally like someone like Ben Foster, maybe an experienced goalkeeper. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not talking about. I, listen, we have all. Does this thing being made up about? The, the, the second choice goalkeeper has to be good enough to the way that we want to play out from the back and stuff like that. Adrian's not good enough to do that. He's not good enough to do that. He's not good enough with the ball at his feet. So this thing by saying that Adrian is good or, or a VO on some keepers because, listen, they're not going to be good enough with their feet to play out from the back. Adrian's not good enough to play out at the back. So I'd rather just sign somebody that can fucking save a few shots. That's, that's, that, that'd be my thing because he can't. He's not able to, and he's just, he's poor, and yeah. he's, he's not good enough. So that would be my thing. I'd, I'd go for some experience, someone who's experienced, who, who's a, who would be renowned as a, as a good shot stopper. I, I think agree. the, the Phil point on it uh, is, um, you know, would you rather a number 10, a, sorry, not a number 10, a, a 10 out of 10 number one, and say a 4 out of 10 number two, or else two kind of sixes that you can beat against each other. I mean, that's, that's the... <laughs> Are you... Phil <laughs> <Phil's, laughs> is literally in his fridge. In his fridge. <laughs> literally in the fridge. Brilliant. But, but Just when you can't where, see the fucking people's feet in the fridge. That's where... Um, that's where Ziploc bags. Kind of tend to disagree with that concept myself. We don't have to have two numbers, you know, uh, six out of ten goalkeepers. You can have a you can have a ten out of ten keeper like Allison, mm-hmm. and then a really really hungry eight out of ten. Who is it? Who has the confidence to try and challenge Allison? I and think Andy. Out. I think it's it's very very hard for um, keepers keepers like of Adrian Standard who got as where as he did in the game to come in and play for Liverpool under the spotlight, like playing it. In for Liverpool and particularly for Liverpool, say, and other teams that are in the upper echelons under the spotlight is a different proposition than playing for West Ham or Absolutely. playing for I don't know Real Sociedad or whoever the fuck or Rennes or Lyon or whoever the fuck. I think playing for Liverpool under the spotlight where every single morsel of your game is uh, magnified. I think it's, well, a, you think, I think it's a different proposition. Fridge, you know what? <laughs> I'm still laughing at your fridge opening. <laughs> Jesus, I went and I went fucking deep there. I, <laughs> well, I, I start think... laughing at Phil's fucking milk, <laughs> milk and 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 a pancake mix there for the morning as well. So it's Is a it pancake Tuesday. I thought you were going to pour a bowl of Rice Krispies there. <laughs> close to it. Is a pancake Tuesday tomorrow, Phil? There's a part of me that thinks though, and, and I was I was sort of half messing about this, but signing Allison's brother, wouldn't that be a great idea? Because he's like a first team guy. Yeah, right, isn't it? That made me laugh. Yeah, but like honestly, like, but uh, going back to yours, Shane, I I agree with you about the experience part, right? But it's very hard to get an experienced number two in who isn't either decrepit and can't dive around or is young enough that they want to challenge Alison. I don't think anyone I don't think anyone that wants to challenge Alison will come into the club at this stage because they'll get a number one position at another club. And that's a genuine yeah, I, genuine opinion. I, I, I about agree that. with you and you, and you look if you if you look at the way uh, a lot's been made of the, the Man United goalkeeping situation, your man only went back there from 
from Sheffield United because he fancied he fancied his chances of getting the hay over there, the uh, Henderson. Yeah. No, the, the the ground the there, level, yeah, then. exactly. I think they trade him. They, they're on. They need to trade him. They're paying him half a million a week or something like that. So he he obviously he went back there because he fancies his chances. Or when he sat down with Solskjaer, he said, "Yeah, I'm willing to come back because I fancy my chances of getting this fella out here." That means that knock on them was Romero through his toys out of Pram. He wanted to go to Everton on deadline day. That mm. didn't happen. So he, I actually think Romero is probably one of the best around. Uh, Kind of second stroke uh, tour choice keepers, but oh, you agree with you, Phil? It is it is very hard to to get someone in knowing that they're not going to play. But Adrian isn't the one anyway for me. I, I think he's our contract at the end of the season, and you know, I doubt he's going to be signing another one. So we will have to look to to to. There must be football in the younger ranks then as well. You know, man. Sure, obviously, just football there. Well, Otherwise, you give one of the kids a go, wouldn't you? Like we sign nineteen goalkeepers every summer. We signed Jermaine Pitalorgo from. Um, well, he's training with the first team regular at the minute, which would yeah. be a good sign, I'd imagine, because he's only seventeen. Who's the other fellow? Remember the Polish fellow? We signed nineteen Polish goalkeepers. I think we have. Wasn't every like Queen Kelleher? Is that the only? They're last all they're all out on loan. Them Polish keepers. Camel, 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 Grabara, Grabara. He's gone out on loan. The young yeah. scored a penalty a few years ago. Him. He's he's gone now. He's Shamal George went off somewhere else. But the the um, what a name I, by the way. I, I I look at it and say what a name. Yeah, I I do get the idea of of signing young. But look, you look at Arsenal. They had your man Martinez who's playing for Aston Villa at the moment, and I said at the time, and I'll stick by it. He's a better goalkeeper than Leno. Davo, when we were talking about signing Allison, do you remember how many times I said that Leno should not be considered because the fella has a yeah. massive rick in him when it comes yeah. to big games, and that's been proven true in England. He always makes a mistake in a big match. He's gr- he's a grand goalkeeper for seventy five percent of your matches, right? But he's never going to be a goalkeeper that's going to win your trophies. Yeah. And yeah, that's the big difference that Allison makes to this team is that he's a goalkeeper that wins your trophies because he always comes through in the big moments. Rajiv, I'm not Phil LFC 83. Just I'm just sort of I've seen a, a question that came in there. But yeah, I think Martinez was yeah, a smashing goalkeeper. It was, it was back up there in the, in the comments earlier on. I don't know. I, I, I don't think it's a simple answer. But if you can keep Allison fit for 38 of your 50 games a season, that's not good enough. We want to keep him fit for 45 of our 58 mm. games a season. And let, let whoever's like if Adrian is playing the League Cup and the FA Cup, no one gives a shy. No mm. one gives a bollocks. Do you yeah, know what I mean? We're not having this conversation. Mm. Right, lads. We talked about uh, yeah. the cameras and uh, you know what he brings to the team. But what does holy shit, man? Like, what's going on? <laughs> Just <laughs> <laughs> got a call there. Just got a fucking phone call. Like Jesus Christ, it's not important. Doesn't matter. Tell me about um, dog is after getting hit by a taxi. Davo, tell me about yeah, the, the the enjoyment that Allison brings to your experience, your view and experience as a fan. I mean, I know I was extremely excited when I seen Allison st- when when Allison was back. I couldn't believe it. It was a lovely surprise. Yeah, I think I think I was. I'd be more delighted. I think with him coming back than when Van Dijk comes back. Do you know what I mean? I think it's just it just it just makes you feel happier watching the match, doesn't he? Yeah, it just but, makes you feel way more confident. I listen. I, I was delighted he was coming back, but it was a part of me where I was saying, "Geez, I hope they haven't rushed him back." Because like uh, Neil, I was saying there earlier, the Klopp mentioned it in his. Uh, Press conference. He, he he missed. I think he Klopp said he's missed less than three weeks, and it felt like fifteen games. Mm. So that that only told, that only shows you the drag that Adrian is even putting on the the manager. Not that he's going to come out and say that because mm. he can't. I but, felt yeah, like that for a fan, didn't it? Yeah, it felt like that for a fan. Like uh, Phil alluded to it earlier. 
the ball goes back to his feet. You're not worried. He had one little small aberration there that he got away with uh, the weekend. But I don't think the way Sheffield United were very impressive the weekend and the way they set up, I don't think we win that game without Alisson playing. And I'm not talking about a shot stopping. I'm talking about the ball going back to his feet. He's always the option there. Um, he's always an option to start the attack because he's basically starting the attack because they were happy for Liverpool to have the ball. When Liverpool got close to halfway line, they'd come and press and trees and fours and five. So he was the option. And like I alluded to earlier, Adrian with the ball at his feet isn't good enough. So, yeah, look, it's a great bonus. And people, the questions being going around about winning trophies and stuff like that, can we win them without Van Dijk? But if Alisson can still be guaranteed, Alisson stays fit. From now till the end of the season, I think we've got a great chance in, in, in all the competitions. We're in. Yeah. Well, we wrap, we wrap that topic up there. Phil, we are talking about this during the week. Um, more, more admiration for Klopp coming up. More uh, more praise for, for our gaffer. But you, you raised the point about managers, world-class managers, and do they need to fail first? And I think you kind of said that Klopp Klopp is Klopp is the anatomy here but he was the one that failed first and you think it's benefited um, benefited his success tell us more about that okay so bizarrely I did a bit of research on this right it was, it, was, it was one of those moments where you sort of start thinking of a concept on a theory to yourself trying to figure out is there any logic behind this or you're just making it up based on the incidents of one um, essentially I was trying to think we have Klopp He's been such a good fit for Liverpool. He was such a good fit for Borussia Dortmund. How did he end up here, right? Because most, if you look at the, if you look at the evolution of the great managers over the last twenty years, it's very much like society. It's almost instant fame, instant recognition, and instant instant success, and they're gone as quick as they appear, right? So then I started thinking right, of the, the truly great coaches because I have this. I, you, you know I have this bugbear about Guardiola. I don't. Tr- I don't see him as a truly great coach. I think he's a, he's a very good attacking coach, but I don't think he's a truly great coach. So I'm talking about the ones like Ancelotti, Klopp, um, Lippi, Van Gaal. Um, I was even then, and then I started. Trying, can you can you use this to have a look at what's going on in front in front and who potentially could be earmarked as as somebody in that sort of line of succession to bring them through. So Andy, for me, I looked at Klopp and Klopp's record is that he goes from Mainz from 2001 to 2008, right, as the manager of, of Mainz. And in that time, he finally gets them promoted to the Bundesliga, gets them into the UEFA Cup and then they get relegated and he fails at getting them back out of, out of, um, out of the, the, the second division of the Bundesliga and back up to, uh, the Bundesliga. It leaves and goes to Borussia Dortmund and we know what happens after that, right? So, Initially, I was there going, well, then I started thinking of Rafa. Rafa was at Tenerife and he was with a number of clubs before he went to Valencia and he failed at those clubs. What was right? on a Veronica strip? What a spot. But they're very much the aberrations to the norm. So if you look at Marino, 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 he goes to <laughs> um, Marino, <laughs> Marino, that's a new one for the, the, the Brian Cares. But he goes to Benfica initially. People forget that he managed Benfica for a number of months before he, he leaves Benfica, gets sacked from Benfica, but had them into second place and they were heading for the title at that stage. He goes to Unea Lera or whoever it is in Portugal and takes them from being a bottom of the table side to finishing above Porto. 
then gets the Porto job and everything from there on is, is, is history. Wins league titles, wins with leagues with Porto, wins Champions League with Porto, goes to England, does everything it does. You look mm. at um, Van Gaal, comes in, just does the job, job straight away. And I was going, if you go back further, it's the same. So I'm trying to figure out, is it possible that Klopp is just some type of freak and that we were just blessed to get him? And at this stage, I'm now at the, I'm at, I'm at the point where I think he's a complete freak. Well, come mm. here. Would you not think that anybody who is at the very pinnacle of their sport, regardless of who they are or regardless of what the sport is, in relation to the general public, is a freak? Michael Jordan, for example, is a freak. Messi yep. is a freak. You know mm. what I'm saying? Ronaldinho is a freak. Kanye mm-hmm. West is a dickhead. <laughs> That's a different thing. I listened to him and Joe Rogan today. Holy shit, what a penis. <laughs> well, Bob, how, 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 how I could listen. I could listen Sorry, to I digressed. Klopp. I could listen to Klopp all day long. I think pretty much everything that comes out of his mouth is an absolute nugget. You know, mm. I mean, you, you, the people around him, how he. How he enables squads, how he how he gets the best out of absolutely everyone who uh, comes into comes into contact with him, and he, and he talks about things like, you know, it's very simple uh, concepts in life. How he, when he walks into the room, he wants me, people to feel happier than they did before he walked into the room, and not the opposite way. Because quite often a manager can walk into the room and and whether it's the fear. Or whether it's whatever it is, can can make people can really affect players' performances, can really affect players' confidences, and I think that's where Mourinho suffers. I mean, he if you don't work on him, you're kind of just fucked out. You're fucked under the bus. He's slotty in the media, whereas Klopp pretty much gets better out of absolutely everyone that he that he manages. And one of the things I heard him saying recently is. He often, more often than not, he learns more from failures. He learns more from losses than he does from wins. And what he took from the Villa game, the the whoever was interviewing was Adam, you know, about trying to find negatives in that Villa game. And Klopp just kept saying, there was positives in there too. There was lots of things we can learn from him. And I think that's what shows... Uh, how how much not a freak Klopp is, but it it shows how how special he is and how 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 incredible his leadership skills are. That he's able to find positives in absolutely every situation. So even his early day in uh, in minds and getting them relegated and and losing in finals, he's come back stronger every time. And so have the team, the players around him. I think there's an old adage there, isn't there? Triumph through adversity. Do you ever hear that? I think that doesn't yeah. mean that doesn't mean getting through your adversity. Again, it means you can only pure, really triumph if you have had some uh, adversity. So you only gain experience through failure as well, don't you? I mean, yeah. but, like but how do you know how do you know how important it is to win unless you've fucking lost? Well, I think I think I'm right in saying when he was at Mainz, they they missed out on the last day of the season or something, getting promotion to the Bundesliga, and he stayed around for the following year, and they did get up. So if you fast forward that to the situation we were in when we went so close with Man City getting the points and missing out on the last day of the season, I think the experience that he got from that with Moyens missing out on the last day or very close to the last day of the season, they missed out on promotion. He, he hung around the following year and they won the league. Or Sorry, they got promoted the following year. So if you fast forward that to, to where we were with City, I think, like you were saying, he's a freak, Phil, but he's kind of the perfect freak for us. 
for the for the club or then like Andy said the nuggets he comes out he seems to be aligned kind of uh, politically and stuff like that he, he he makes the right noises and all that and I just think he really is the perfect fit well see for me, for me I hear something sometimes and just go ah please leave it out no Neil see, no, this, 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 this is part of it hang on a second I not think he's preaching to the converted sometimes he knows his audience and he's saying what they want to hear listen what I, I'm not saying I'm not detracting from him as a coach or anything like that I mean the, what he Projects in the media, that's his own fucking business. But you're not here that sometimes you just go, ah, come on. Well, Neil, they, 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 do, they do 20 different press conferences a week and get asked the same question 40 different ways. And and he has to not lose the rag. And imagine us sitting there getting asked the same question 25 different yeah. ways. You'd yeah. end up just going to your man, this is mate, I answer that a minute ago, now fuck off. But you just have a little bit of Yeah, they, but, but he, he doesn't. Like he's, he's he's well able. He has them kind of in the palm of his hand. And look at all that is easy, easier when you're winning. Than I when suppose you think about it, Mourinho had them in the palm of his hand at the beginning, didn't he? And that's yeah. that didn't last for very long. And Klopp still has them in I, I'm seeing some of the comments about oh, Van Gaal and Mourinho have our dinosaur tactics and they can only play one way. And have, if somebody goes back and watches Klopp's Minds team back in 2002, the whole thing was about pressing and counter pressing. He, he hasn't changed his philosophy since then. He's adopted and changed. And this, to me, is probably the bit that I've, when I started looking into the managers and looking into the way they've evolved, the, the, the truly great managers, right? They maintain the core of their beliefs, but they learn to be flexible around it, right? Oh, so if yeah, you look true, at... Yeah, I agree with that completely. If you, if you look at Ancelotti now, right... His setup is fundamentally still four four two, and he always believed that four four two was the best system to play, right? But he's prepared to move things around that four four two system to see to fit the type of thing that's going on. When you look at when you look at the, when Van Gaal was at his best, he wasn't just playing a f- strict rigid formation. He was playing different counter attacking football, pressing possession football, whatever it was that, that that would achieve a win. Ferguson, the greatest example of this of Ferguson is he evolved through the best part of 20 years but when you look at you look at Ferguson at um, St. Mirren they win the fourth division in, in Scotland he comes to Aberdeen wins European trophies wins league trophies in Scotland he goes to United He's, he fails for six years in, in, in England like you don't get that nowadays you don't get to fail no. for six years in England nowadays no, right? no chance. He, if, when, when we talk about failure that's his period of failure as a manager because when he gets to 1991, from then on, it's just unending success for United until he retires at the end of it. When you look at the Liverpool managers, what Shankly did when he came in was he changed that team and the ethos of the club from being maybe having a go, getting there sometimes, to relentless winning. And what happens is it got improved on, it got improved on, it got improved on by Fagan, by Paisley, until we get to a point that Leash it reaches a, a, a zenith, we win a double, and then it tails off and we come off the backside. And this is the first time that we've had a manager. And you can take your raffles and you can stick them up your arses, right? This is the first time that we've had a manager since Kenny Leash that has brought us to the pinnacle of not just English football, but European football. And I mean, in a proper way where we are a truly dominant side, both domestically and internationally. And for me, when I look at when I look at Pep Guardiola, has he done it anyway? When, when somebody thinks of Pep Guardiola, what do they think? They don't think City. They don't think Bayern. Barcelona. Barcelona. That's it. Davo, mm. that's it. That's all they think is the Barcelona side. And that, I, and think that what, I think what you're saying, Phil, about Pep and Klopp is very, very relevant. I think Pep progressed on a style of football that Cruyff started at Barcelona already, right? That was something that was, let me finish for a minute, it was kind of possession, possession, possession. And I think if you notice now, football has changed generally 
in a general sense since Klopp came to Liverpool and Liverpool, what they did recently and winning all that shit, it's high risk for high reward now, football tends to be. Like the way Liverpool play, the way the fullbacks push on him, he leave it when Van Dijk is mm. there and whoever's beside him, he'll cover for He's that good to cover for the centre house, right? But where three years previous, it was possession, 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 which is low risk, high reward. I think the biggest accolade you could give to Klopp is the fact that he's changed football through his personality and through how Liverpool play and how exciting it is. And I think the best managers tend to do that. I mean, like you say about Ferguson, it was 4-4-2 for him, wingers crossing the ball or whatever the fuck. And before, I don't that know who it was before, but I'm not saying Arsenal before that, it was defence, defence, defence. And Italian, the Italian Catanaccio. I think that's what, listen, it's just a talking point. I don't know. Possession, possession football these days, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't really work. Okay, the, the better sides have the majority possession, but you have to be an exceptionally good team to keep the ball um, for a whole game and create create the sort of chances um, that kind of Liverpool get from force and errors. Like, that's my, that's my point. The high, high risk, high reward, what Liverpool yeah. do. Close down, like eight players like closing down in their half when you went back early. You know what I mean? You look at ninety uh, percent of goals. Um, I would say come from either a set piece or a, a, a mistake or a forced error in the transition to play. Like, yeah. yeah. So you lose the ball in your own half, and you can see it goals. It's how often you see a goal coming from fifty or 60, 70 passes. It's very, very rare. I mean, I would say it's after a, a sequence of passes. It's probably only like out of every 100 goals, probably one out of every 100, I would say. Um, and with, with Liverpool, how often we see goals, like, okay, we, we keep a lot of possession, but how often we see the ball coming out from the back and three passes later, it's in the net, like. Yeah. Well, we've, and, I, think, I think we've evolved, though, if you think back to yeah. the, the famous Burnley game where we had fucking 80% possession and lost 2-0. I think we've evolved that uh, Klopp is happy with the players he has that he can do it both ways as regards... Yeah, look, we'll get after you and counter press and set traps and, and uh, try to force his mistakes. But if you was just going to sit in on the 18 yard box, right, we'll keep it and we'll happily probe and probe and probe and we will, we'll find a way eventually. And I think that's the, that's the evolution. That's how he's moved on to, to become one of the greats. But Davo, can, can I just like the, 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 the bit that I sort of wanted to lead on from is the inevitability is that Klopp won't be here in 20 years' time, right? So how, how do you, how do you, how do you use that? methodology or how do you put a methodology in place that allows you to identify the most likely successful successor to Klopp because the the, the the trouble that teams have always had was transitioning from a truly generational defining manager to the next manager right now, well, I, yeah I, I would imagine that something for me for me worrying about that kind of scenario because I'm sure it's 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 something that we've all thought about this and Klopp's contracts up in four years time or whatever it is is he gonna will he sign another couple of years the likelihood is he's probably gonna go I, I'd be a lot more comfortable if the the back if the if the people in the background of the club the likes of Michael Edwards and them fellas if they're there uh, if they can keep that car together with the same ownership I'd be, I would be a lot more uh, confident that they would, they, they would get that uh, decision right. If, if you go into the uh, bounds of like or selling off a piece of the club here, there's other fellas coming in, shareholders. You're diluting things here. Everyone has their own idea. They all want that pound of flesh and money over. That's when, that's when things go fucking haywire, and you end up appointing someone that isn't like them. The likes of Michael Edwards would leave, 
and then then you end up going down a road that listen we could it could be like falling off with soon as coming in falling off all them years ago. You just don't know. But I would be more comfortable if if them lads stayed in place. See the English game, Phil. You know the way we're saying it about uh, like what Liverpool did with the continuing the back uh, the boot room shit. Yeah, can you think mm. of another club that did that? Like had that model of of continuous succession, continuous success, regardless of I say regardless of who, but it seemed it seemed it seemed regardless of who was in charge. It obviously wasn't, but I don't think it has happened anywhere else before. Possibly AC Milan through the eighties and nineties mm. when they had the um, your man that Italian dude that the Rodrigo Sacchi, the Capello, wasn't it? I yeah. don't know whether, whether you'd say Barcelona with Roy Carter to Guardiola to. I'm talking about in England. In England, we don't we don't see it like in England, like we did we did the likes of Ajax and in in Italy and in Spain with with uh, Barcelona, where the whole the whole youth setup has to play. It's mandatory that the whole youth setup plays the exact same way. I don't even think that's in place at Liverpool. I know Klopp has brought all the the uh, the youth teams and the senior players together now, um, but I don't think that's that's being developed. I don't think. Uh, the the kids are being taught to play that same way. Correct me if I'm wrong, but mm. um, it's going to be very hard uh, the succession plan for Klopp because a lot of what Klopp does is, is down to his personality. I mean, no matter who we I said it earlier, no matter who he brings in, he he gets them to play levels. He he gets them to play better than they believe they can play themselves. Dav, the one the one thing about that that piece is that it's not just it was it was Saki Capello and then Ancelotti comes in and Ancelotti was part mm. of Saki's team originally, but uh, be, and it was Capello who, called, who who sold Ancelotti and brought in Albertini in the AC Milan. So AC Milan had something very similar across the, the mid eighties into mm. the early nineties and to the late nineties. But when you when you boil it back to our situation, we're starting off with this is the first one. So the next appointment, and I always go back to this, the next appointment and understanding who comes in is the right one. So if you look at Pep Linders, he's probably the one that's most likely placed in that backroom staff. If you're going to take somebody from inside the club already that's already imbued in his methods and is around club and seems to have a voice amongst the players to make a step up in the classic Paisley, Fagan, um, Shankly sort mm. of idea. But at the same time, you look at it and you look at fellas like Nagelsmann, um, uh, who's at he's at Leipzig now, right? Leipzig. And they're they're challenging or trying to challenge for league titles. The one that people have missed out on is the Hassan Hustle at, at Southampton. Everyone thinks he came from nowhere. He was Leipzig manager for two years between sixteen and eighteen, and got them to second in the Bundesliga. Got them promoted and got them to mm. second in the Bundesliga. Yeah. Got them into the Champions League. Very good and, manager. And before that, the clubs he was at before, he achieved something with all the clubs right the way through. And this goes back to my idea that that it doesn't necessarily have to be the biggest achievement, but you have to be able to bounce back from disappointment. So when he was at his fourth club, he got he ended up getting sacked over a disagreement with the chairman. Well, Ferguson gets sacked at St. At at, at Mirren and goes on to Aberdeen. Klopp has the disappointment at Mainz, but bounces back. They're not necessarily sackable offences, but they're about periods of growth, and they almost allow you to grow as a manager by being able to evolve and be able to accept change or changing your mechanics or changing your system in a certain way that allows you to become a better manager off the back of that. And well, that, that well, me- when you're just speaking on Hasselhoot, 
I, I listened to a couple of things that particularly after that 9-0 game, the, the Leicester game, there was a lot, the, the club felt that players were kind of throwing the towel in and the club arrived down to the training ground seemingly and said to the players, look, this fella's going nowhere. We know what we have here. He's going nowhere. You will be the ones going before he goes, the ones that are uh, Arden pulling their way. And next thing, things start turning and you look at them now. So like that's the, Southampton obviously knew what they had in them, rather, because it's very easy to pull the trigger after getting a result like that and for them to stick with him and tell the players in no uncertain terms, is he's staying. You will be yeah. going. And then they're reaping the rewards there. Very good manager. Yeah, yeah. Turn off your laptop. We're on staycation. I'm on TotalWine.com. They have so many rosés, chardonnays, and proseccos. It feels like a real vacation. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico's. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money. Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Right, lads, we're, uh, we'll move on. We're just being talking about the um, the evolution of football and how, how different managers evolved or are, are not evolved. But one thing I spotted there the other day was a tweet. Um, and it was a, it's a quote from Dennis Bergkamp. He says, um, the way players are taught... Sorry? I'm not getting on that fucking plane. The way players are taught nowadays, uh, the creativity has gone a little bit. When I watch you football, uh, you have what I call PlayStation coaches. They've got the controls. The players are just doing what, what they say and they're not thinking for themselves. So I know that's a bit of a Yarda comment, right? But I have this gripe, more than any gripe in modern football, but I think it's about the lack of players we see now that can truly express themselves. And I, I'm talking about players like um, Ronaldinho. Like, I don't know whether we'll ever see that again because the stakes um, are so high in modern football. You know, it's very unforgiving. If a player coming through like Ronaldinho starts make doing tricks all over the sh- shop and he makes a mistake he could be bombed forever you know what I mean I, I think with the money involved so we're seeing less and less of those type of players um, I think and, and I mean I, I look at our own players um, like Fowler who used to really kind of do his own thing and they're not players who just followed orders a player like Fowler just getting the ball he's going to score a goal um, Barnes is a bit like that, and then I, outside of Liverpool, players like Zidane, they were just their own players. They they were brought into a team. They did what they wanted to do, um, and then you know the likes of Berbatov, um, Cantona, even like players that were lower down, like Letizia. Like what? What do you think, lads? I don't know. Is it for the greater good of the game that we're we're seeing? a way bigger focus on pace and power and fitness. Like when you see a players like um, Adama Trari now being touted for 90 million. I mean, is that what, is that what our modern Ronaldinho's are? Players that are just fast, strong, cause havoc and just do, just follow manager's orders, get on the ball and run after it. I see what you're saying, Andy, but I can see both sides of the argument as well. Um, 
I think with players, we would probably have one at the minute. This is Messi. He's probably a perfect example. He's, but he's just that good. It's weird. Um, I think the rewards, and there's so much at stake now in football with the money at stake. I think that's what you're getting at. The, like the, if you lose or you don't get where you think you should get, the difference is hundreds of millions rather than where it was before. Yeah. It was one or two million or maybe 10 million or whatever. I mean, getting finishing, say, fifth and finishing fourth, the difference can be over the course if you want to progress over the next two or three years, can be hundreds of millions. Yeah. So yeah. I think the rewards are so very high, but at the same time, I think if you, if when somebody is that good, I don't think, I really don't think I, uh, they're like, like, I think, you know, I think we, I could sound like an old man here. We probably sound like old men saying, oh, it was better in my day. They were able to play. They were, can play with more freedom. I think them players will come around again, but, I don't know. If, I mean, there's none. Of, I can't see any coming through at the minute. So maybe you're right. I really it's, it's a is weird it, one. I don't know. Something you need to do. A, yeah, I mean, it could be a, it could be a recency bias. I'm not saying like there's absolutely some quality players at the moment. Um, Mane, Salah, like you know, but they're they're far more direct and they they, they are they're more robotic. Like yeah, they are. They they're, they're quite robotic and those players have excelled at Liverpool because of what Klopp has coached them. Do you think it's to do um, with the, how analytical football is nowadays? I, I, th- I think that I was going to just bring that up, Neil. I think I think that's what it is. I'm not saying that uh, the coaches going back like all the ones, uh, Sackies and that that Phil mentioned, weren't tactically good or anything like that. I think now you can see any player in any league in the world and scale probably ten or twenty games like of any player. So yeah. if, if you have, if you, you can set up a podcast for me. Yeah. I can't find just analytics football. Yeah. So <laughs> if you if you if you if you have a player like a, a maverick kind of player like what Andy is describing there, like a maverick player, if 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 you can watch twenty five games of them and and a game that's coming up and you have your your analytics doing it and all that, you'll find ways to play around him and cause their best player to be a problem for them by taking them out of the game. And I think Dad, you can't say Maverick to me without me thinking of Goose, man. <laughs> and I, I just kind of think that's probably how it's gone. The level of coaching and analysis in the game that they can uh, and the the technology at teams, I suppose, that they're able to, they're able to pick holes in teams. And if you have a Maverick player that's like probably cheats, what would have been the same we had when we were playing? Like he's cheating, he won't come back. But if you give him the ball, he'll he'll kill you. Teams, teams can walk around that. American football is, was, is kind of ahead of football, soccer football generally in the, the rewards that are available and how analytical it is. You two are kind of American football fans and experts. How, would you say I Mavericks... is the expert. And would you say Mavericks... There's no Mavericks in American football nowadays? No, no. And this is where I, go, I... I think that answers the question, does it? This, this is where I sort of disagree with Andy's point. I think, yes, there's a lot of better coached kids coming through, right? But I think the genuine freaks are the genuine freaks. When people talk about Ronaldinho, I've said this before. To me, there has never been a better footballer to grace this planet than Ronaldinho. A more naturally gifted footballer I've never seen. He's done things even to this day that I can't understand how he's done. Like If you go back and watch a highlight reel of his thing, you'll see all the shit about Messi and it's, wow, it's amazing cross control and it's this and it's that and it's, uh, yeah, great. And he does a free kick and it's, oh, wow. And look, he plays a pass through 10. Ronaldinho does that, but by back heeling the ball through 27 fellas, right? And while he's fixing it. cuts to him in a hot tub with a load of mats. Yeah, and drinking a cocktail, <laughs> right? He scored a goal against Chelsea that went rocketed into the top corner and he had no backlift. He didn't even put his foot through was the ball. That a toe poke? Yeah, it was, it was, it was stupid, right? 
he spent we all go on about Firmino's no look shots, right? Fucking Ronaldinho has a has a YouTube channel just dedicated to his no look passes and things. He, he invented the no look thing. Like he basically invented the no look yeah, anything. He was just mm. he is just a phenomenon. We talk about Ronaldo, the phenomenon. You talk about, and I'm talking about the, the Brazilian one, but then you talk about the Portuguese one because he's a phenomenon as well. People talk about Messi. I come back to this, and we've had so many rounds about who was the best player. I keep going, show me, a, there is no better player ever to watch. And I'll, I'll say this, the best player to ever, to ever watch, even nowadays, when he's out of the Peruvian jail, he's back playing football somewhere, right? So like he was playing football in jail when he had a wrong passport or something like that. Like, he is, yeah, he is the last, he is the last of the great entertainers, but there will be another. There'll be somebody else who'll come along that's ridiculous. When you think of Suarez, Suarez is not your coached footballer, even though he's been involved in coached football from an early age, right? You, you look at you look at the um, Salah. Salah is a coached footballer, but again, he has that quality that the great footballers don't have. Oh, sorry, the great footballers do have in, in in every circumstance is that they do the impossible. They do the things that other footballers can't think of because you can't coach thinking. You can't coach the speed. Of top- Salah is a perfect fit for the time he's playing in too, isn't he? And the team he's playing in, it fits. It just they just fit so well. It's a glove stuff, but you look at you look at Ronaldinho and he is just a freak. He thinks of things that nobody else does, and then when it not just does he just doesn't think of it, he executes it. So it's the execution, it's the ability to execute. Yeah, and always through the games, you have the true greats. And I, I firmly believe when people look back at this game in 20 years, they won't just be talking about Messi and Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo. They'll be looking at Ronaldinho's highlight reel and going, because he's the first that also appears in the 24-7 coverage of football, right? And they'll be going, okay, so Ronaldo and Messi scored a billion goals each, and that's amazing. But look what this fella did. Look what he, look what he did. Like, mm-hmm. they, none of them do this. They just don't do it. Like, he's... And I, I just love... I, I would look... and there's One of the few things on YouTube I'd look at for hours and hours a day is just looking at Ronaldinho's play, looking at what he did, looking at the stupid things he does... And it's like it makes it look stupid because he turned football in. It's what Patrick Mahomes is doing at the NFL now. He turned football at that time into a computer game because you don't think that you can do in a computer game where bend the ball around this way or he does a a rainbow pass across somebody or without even thinking. It was like somebody was controlling him. I'll I'll take Bear Camps. Randy, I'll take Bear Camp's quote that it's like mm. a PlayStation coach is controlling them from the sideline, right? Well, Ronaldinho played football like he was a he was a, a he was a FIFA player because oh, he literally absolutely. did stuff that nobody else did. And he did he did stuff that you yeah. think the fucking the other fucker they are playing against online is, has a cheat code in. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, like that, there was a point was made there by Barry Devney about like street footballers and stuff yeah. like that. And it just reminded me of a point. I think Dunphy said it actually on, on RT, one of the pundits, mm. in case people don't know who he is, Spacer. He said, if, if you want great players, you need poverty. You won't because they have the hunger. They've they've something to play for. They're fighting, they're fighting, they're fighting the whole lives. And that's mm. where you get that's where you get the great players from poverty, street footballers. Etc. Etc. So it is a it is a it is a fair point. In fairness, Nilo, you want to jump think, in there, Pat? I think, yeah, I think Ronaldinho. Another way, people say uh, the best players make football look easy. I think 
that's kind of gets uh, given. That's an injustice to him, isn't he? He made made it look stupid. Like he used to go out on the piss the night before and everything. Like and just turn up and and he was unbelievable. <laughs> Did you ever see the, the picture? You might get it. It's on the internet somewhere. The night before, whatever, some Barcelona playing a match the next day. And there's him in the hot tub at five boards. And it's the night before the match. <laughs> I was one of them boards he, in at every level um, uh, you know we've all played football at various levels lads there was always someone in your team the best player was always a bit of a tear away the night before oh, the game weren't he yeah. like, it was always the fella that turned up with his uh, his boots in a plastic bag with no shin guards you know <laughs> the, the he, good he players wasn't. never no, Andy, Andy they, were the the <clears throat> they, they were always the team's enigmas, right? So they were incredibly gifted, but deeply flawed. Ronaldinho was that was that true blend of incredibly deep, gifted, but not deeply flawed. And, and what he did was he, he basically went and won every single flawed. He was in Peru jail without a passport. But yeah, but that's because of their weird passport system. It has nothing to do with Peru's fault. <laughs> he basically won everything. He basically won everything, and then said, "That's me." Did he come out? Did he start Paris Saint Germain? Yep. And he started. He started, he started did, yeah. PSG, and he was With meant. He was meant to go. To, do you remember? He was meant to go to United, and he no. he said there was he he was meant to go to United. There was a deal agreed between United and his agents, and he turned around and he said, "I am never going to some cold place in England." But that's why he, never, he just didn't want to play in the cold. He went. He, he signed for Atletico Mineiro back in Brazil because it was close to the beaches, and he enjoyed the pubs alongside the beaches. So he was able just to finish. Like Maradona match. taking over a Sinaloa. Same like thing. somebody said earlier, Maradona pisses all over Ronaldinho. I don't. I don't necessarily disagree with you because Maradona to me was was a freak. Again, it was another freak, right? But these players, Suarez is a freak. What did I say to you before we started this? I said Suarez to me is a throwback because he played football with his shins. Nobody's nobody has been better at controlling the ball with his shins. When I look at <laughs> when, when I look at Suarez, Suarez is not Suarez is not mega mermaid with a beach ball, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. It's true. Hey, what about Joe Allen? Yeah. Allen was was better than Thiago until remember he, he was leaving it over there. Oh no, we can't he, remember. But he went he vegan. He went vegan. So it's his own fault. Um, he lost his teeth. But if you look at players now, they're mentioning Sancho as being next. And I have to say, I've watched Sancho and he looks an absolutely smashing player when you see him play. He has that little bit of magic about him. Um, but his next his, his next bit is the step up. Can he come back to the Premiership, or can he go to a different league and do it? And he hasn't won anything with British Dortmund, Dortmund either. So this is the thing: these players, it's like the manager thing. The great managers just win trophies right the way through their career, or do something special right the way through their career. The greatest players do the exact same thing as well. And mm. and you don't have to be Andy. The, the the flip of this is also you don't have to be the the street footballer to be a, fan, a phenomenally gifted footballer. Because to me, my, one of my favorite players to watch and one of my favorite players to really enjoy is Thomas Muller off Bayern Munich because ah, yeah. he's not he's not the street footballer. He's he's your classic system footballer. But what mm. he is is it's just that relentlessly brilliant winner. He's a winner. cog. Winner and a cog in a machine. You're not a cog in a machine that we're always talking about. If you think yeah. of Klops, Klops is a machine that has enigmas and rogue parts, rogue cogs that do whatever they want to, to, to throw things into the parts. Yeah. Right, so here's here's one for you because you, you make a good show. I was trying to think of the opposite um, to your street footballer. So let's say we put uh, 11 
the best 11 street footballers you can think of against the best 11 um, system footballers in, in mm-hmm. history. Who wins? Well, if it's a fucking hooker competition, I know who wins. You're going to have some wonderful players on both teams. You're going to have Jordan Henderson in the system footballer. I don't even think Henderson gets, <laughs> gets into the system footballer because I think what's going to happen is you're going to basically get the best German side of all time. You're going to have low time as Hayes at the bike. And Franz Beckenbauer. Uh, and who do you have and to go? No, because I put I put Neuer in the street footballers because he's he was, was just fair, a, yeah. He was Jack Moyer or someone a No, I'd go with Ali Khan as the just system goal. Hmm. And yeah, then it's the a, it, it's a toss up between Schmeichel and, and Neuer as to who goes in for the for the street footballers because both of them change, up front. Both of them change how goalkeeping oh, but then you could have, you, you could have Schilliver or Campos. If you're really gonna go for the street footballers, you go Campos, Campos. yeah. Campos has to yeah. be your goalkeeper and straight away that's your weakness because that fella's gonna be up taking free kicks and corners and the penalties oh, and the, man, is with a Rene Higita. Higita, yeah. that, that's another one for the for the street yeah. football. But yeah, I, I would I would honestly go if you think of street footballers, you're gonna have the same thing. The problem you have with street footballers is defenders. You don't have many street yeah. defenders. Yeah, well, the, the ones the ones you have are just totally mad. Like, David yeah. Luiz, uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Any any kind of goal scorer and um, go for centre backs who go wandering up the pitch. Yeah, yeah, they're they're always a uh, loose cannon. Um, yeah. But I think you nearly you nearly do a good hour of a podcast alone by picking a, an eleven three footballers and an eleven um, system. Players, so I think on the on the next international break we'll do that. Good idea for a pod, Andy. That's a good idea. That's just a, that's just a forum night. We'll do best three footballers versus best system footballers for for a, and not worry about topics because yeah, nobody yeah. cares about international football. Anyone else will rub that? Right. Um, so from from one year da <laughs> um, topic <laughs> to another, Nilo. Uh, I'm going to let you phrase it yourself again because I'll make an absolute bollocks of it. Ain't no place like a cowboy place Ain't no town like a cowboy town Ain't no way like the cowboy way Have a cowboy kind of day Try the new Big Sky Burger at Roy Rogers It's Smithfield pulled pork Beer battered onion rings American cheese and spicy barbecue sauce On a Kaiser bun Have a cowboy kind of day at Roy's Ain't no way you're going wrong DoorDash and Uber Eats available at participating restaurants. What you doing? Trying on glasses with Zenny's 3D Virtual Try-On. Wait, are those the actual prices? I say get all of them. Seriously, why not, right? Oh, now I want new glasses. Zenny.com. Quality prescription glasses starting at $6.95. What's your topic, Nilo? I may have overstated it slightly, Andy, now with time to reflect on it. Right. What I was thinking was, you know... Um, the title of the, if it was a book, the title of it would be "Steal This Book, It's Free." I'm only messing. I seen that Netflix during the week. It would be the, the slow disintegration of modern football because of the lack of interaction from the common man. Right now, to read it out. There's two points on that, right? Yeah, there's two points. You have no fans at matches, which is what it is, and then 15 quid or 15 euros or whatever the fuck it is to watch the match there last week, right? Mm. Now I didn't pay the 15 quid. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we've got to get spoken me. But what I will say is, what I will... 
What I will say, hold on, if you didn't see that. What I will, what I will, what I will say is, right, if you watch, it used to be a punishment, right, to have play an X match behind closed doors, yeah? That was a punishment. No one could see it. Right, because not because whatever the fuck it was, and I think it was no one could be no fans there. No one will want to fucking see it, right? So now, for example, Liverpool have Nike have spent, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of millions on Liverpool's short sponsorship deal, right? Now, yeah, for the foreseeable future, this could go on for next, regardless of political affiliations, whatever the fuck we're hearing. But just say this could go on for another year or two with no fans being in the stadiums for whatever reason it may be. Now, would you think? Like, if that goes on for two or three years, right, all of a sudden, the Premier League have, are missing out on a generation of kids are going to come through and support football because they're probably shot. <laughs> Sorry, lads. Feels off in the fridge. Turn off his fucking camera and you can hear the fridge open. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Neil, go on. Now, do you know what fuck is? Now, nope. this, this is brilliant. Anyway, what I'm saying is, right, so come here. So the the product is intrinsically flawed nowadays because the spectacle is not what it is, right? I think it's, but I think, but I also think the product is being exposed for what it is because there's no fans there, there's no interaction. So all you're doing is looking at a training session for people who are so over fucking paid. And I think that there was a tangible link there between footballers and the man paying a thousand euros for his season ticket. Now I think that that link is so fucking tenuous that they realise, I think football, I think footballers as, as linked to the common man is exposed completely because all you're looking at is a training session by people who are generally massively overpaid for playing a fucking football match. I think, do you know, listen, I'll leave it there. I have a lot more. No, no, Neil, that's, an excellent topic, and I, I'm uh, I feel bad about banning you off the podcast last week for your topic because <laughs> <laughs> it was probably going to be a great topic. And earlier on, when, oh, Andy, when I texted day, you last week, I was that to be up like it was about that. I was that been up for like 24 hours nearly, I think. Yeah, <laughs> now is that uh, been driving the taxi? Honestly, I was fucking, yeah. Now, yeah. Look, I think I think you make an excellent point there about the, the connection between. Fans, look, I'm a real See, I, think, I don't think that the whole thing, when you watch a match, it just feels like it's very hard to get involved in it. It just feels vacuous. It feels like an empty yeah. this does And it's not because uh, because of a virus or whatever the fuck it is. Because when, when it was Project Restart last time, it was, listen, we're all getting back. We're all in it together. We're doing Zoom quizzes. This is great crack. You know what I mean? Now, this I mean, time around, it's just a bag of shit. There's, there's, there's something. And they're out playing football and hugging each other and all that shit, right? Yeah. And but we're at home, and we're, all we're hearing in the news is we're all going to be dead in a week, right? Like, Fran, you know what I'm saying? I don't want to get too political about it, but footballers yeah, no. are around, and the come here, they're getting two hundred grand a fucking week, but they're all fine and they're hugging each other. But we're all bollocks sitting at home. I think. So I think them, like, you know, right, right, Grant. <laughs> I, mean, I can go on. I can go on. Oh, oh I know you can. Oh, I can. Come here. I Um. I think there's something very unnatural about watching football in empty stadiums. I can't watch it without the sound. Um, I really can't. I'm just trying to convince myself that there's fans at the game. Um, put it this way. If if football was a brand new thing and you stuck on your TV and it was 22 lads out there playing in an empty stadium, you'd never catch on. It's it's absolutely the fans who make it. Um, I'm the biggest advocate for Football without fans is nothing. It's, it's I, I, it's there, Lennon has, uh, has made a very uh, salient point there at 11.03. Yeah. 
Nilo for president. Thank you. <laughs> what a country it would be, lads. What a country. It'd be amazing. Ronaldinho would be me second in command. What's this? All oh, right. Um, there you go. Just for there you. There you go. Yeah. Um, now, what, 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 like, look, it's only a temporary thing. Uh, I, I, can, I can live with it. I can live with it for another, whatever. See, just this season, but I think after that, well, my point, Andy, is right. Although it's temporary and it's not, maybe it'll be over. I don't know. In three or four months, stadiums will be full. Like, look at New Zealand. But do you not? My point, my opinion is that I think football has been exposed for what it is, and the fact that football clubs go on about this link to the fans and all when they don't actually really give a shit. Yeah, a customer. The pay per view has showed that up. Uh, for what 15 it was now. to watch a game yeah. of training 15 quid exactly to watch a game of training they, they, they don't give a shit Leicester were the only club to vote against the uh, put the games on pay-per-view which means even even Liverpool the team that we support they're all we had the project uh, or the big picture stuff you're just a customer and they're trying to they're trying to make as much money as, as they can out of it that pay-per-view things have fallen flat in its face now because Every twenty, all twenty clubs are are uh, giving the money to the field banks now, so they're rolling back now. The next Premier League meeting, it's going to be well. Will we will we drop the price down, which is just as bad because you're just basically saying, right, what price do we need to drop it down so these consoles start buying it? And it, like it, it's you're right, it is being exposed uh, for what it is. It, it, there's a lot of money grabbing going on. Liverpool are included. It's <coughs> it's a it's a business. End of story. It's a business, and I don't know whether it'll ever go back to. The days yeah, where you rock up and pay into the cop for fucking five pound or whatever yeah, and you were there an hour early. Is it, is it can, can I jump in? Can I jump in? for a match now and there's no one in the stadium paying 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 out a few quid to watch the match. Is that a coincidence or is that just completely just to rip these people off as best we can? Can mm. I jump in? Go on, Phil. Can I jump in? Andy, I said three, four weeks ago on this pod we were talking about the pay-per-view idea and everyone's losing their shit about fifteen pounds, and I said when PS Now started and EA Games Access started, they both started at £20 or €20, Euro, whatever it was, um, and now EA Access is 3 and the PS Now is 9 right, And in terms of what's there. Essentially, those things are brought to the level that people will buy in. So 15 quid always sounded expensive. And they were they'd benchmarked themselves off the Scottish Premier League. But the Scottish Premier League is very much a niche market. It's like Apple. Like people who are mad Apple freaks buy Apple products every year, no matter what. looking at you, Andy. No, 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 no. It's it's not. Then the rest of the world buy Android products because they can change them and it doesn't cost them half the amount, even though now Samsung is trying to get into the same price point, whatever it is. So anyone that's watching the Scottish Premier League are watching it because there's only about 11 of them and they're happy to pay £10 per game, right? When When it comes to the Premier League in England, it's such a diverse tributary of football and support at this point across the board it seemed mad that you are going to charge 15 quid especially when if you go to Ireland you can watch it on a channel for free if you go to America you can watch this on a channel for free if you go to Canada you watch it on a channel for free because that's part of your subscription it was and never you do all that in the cover of your own home but, but Neil, th- this is the whole thing. When you've got an, if you have an already flawed pr- model 
and then try to bring in a premium price point on a flawed model. It'd be like Apple trying to land to launch an iPhone that was basically just a Samsung with an Apple badge across it because nobody was like, well, what's the point? I'll just buy the Samsung version. It's, it's how Google's original devices failed. So you can't, you can't, once the genie's out of the bottle, you can't get the genie back into the bottle unless you use up your three wishes. And that's just the way it is at this moment in time. There's no point in trying to combat IPTV. There's no point in trying to bring in PPV. What they need is now, and what this is why Liverpool has been battling for this project big picture, this European Super League that's there. They want, and this is what FSG want, they want the television rights. It has nothing to do about a European league. It has nothing to do with, with a better Premier League or sharing the, the tree. They want to own Liverpool's television rights solely because then they can sell it on NESN, which is the North, uh, their own television network as part of their package. So you get the Red Sox, you get the football, you get their IndyCar team, you get the whole lot, and you get all their matches to watch. And have a guess what? The fucking 100 million Liverpool fans that are out there would rather pay €8 Euro a month to watch all the Liverpool matches and just the Liverpool matches than pay 20 euro a month to, to pay for a Sky Sports yeah. package to watch one Liverpool match a month. But come yeah, here, Michael, do you not think it's a is it is it me just being, I don't know, a conspiracy theorist thinking that the 15 quid a match uh, to watch Liverpool came in at the time when Liverpool aren't getting any revenue from uh, home matches at Anfield. It's not Liverpool, Neil. It's no, not it's Liverpool. It's everybody. Well, nobody's getting any revenue from tickets through, from people coming through the turnstile and buying fucking hot dogs and bottles of fucking plastic Carlsberg. Yeah. So that's where it's going, Neil. I'm going to watch Liverpool. So listen, I know he's are struggling and I know he's are at home and the people are out of work or whatever the fuck it is. But here, come here. Fuck you. We want 15 quid if you want to watch us. But Neil, where, where, where this model has fallen down is that the that season ticket holders should be given immediate rights to watching the match. Okay, so if I'm if I'm regardless of whether it's on the television or not, if I own a season ticket to Liverpool in the event that I can't see it in the stadium because I've paid for my season ticket, most most of the season ticket tickets season ticket holders have, they should be entitled to watch those matches no matter what. They should be able to log into a part of the Liverpool website using their membership number and get immediate access to that game. Okay, so would you pay two hundred quid extra, two hundred quid a season for your season ticket to watch every Liverpool match whenever the fuck you wanted to watch it? Would I pay if you if for a season ticket holder? Is it plausible to ask them to pay an extra two hundred quid to have access into that part of the website and just watch every match? In the current environment, they should. Regardless, it doesn't. You're not asking them for extra money. They've paid their season ticket. They can't get into Anfield to hold their season ticket. They had to pay for their season ticket this season. They yeah. should be given immediate access to those matches, regardless, right? Outside of that, actually, that's a point, Phil. Season ticket holders can't. If Liverpool weren't on the telly, you have to pay the fifteen quid to watch Liverpool. This is my point, Neil. They shouldn't. They should have access to the match. And Norwich, Norwich were trialing this thing where, and this is the madness of the English system, right? In you could go and watch the um, Norwich match in the stadium when they were playing away in the in the ground itself, right? To pull the curtains. And they had to pull the curtains, but you couldn't watch the match outside in the in the, sta- in, in the stands. Just, just, just on that, I, I know we flipped a bit to the pay per view thing. And Phil, you think that the, the, if they drop down the price point, it, it'll 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 save some face or something like that? I actually slightly disagree. Now, I, I I do accept that if they drop the price point down, more people, more people will buy it. Sorry, sorry, Dad, can I, sorry Dad, can I just Andy, if we can block that J Well fella immediately, right? Um. Who's he? 
I don't know, just block. I can, I can. Get his address first. Get his address. I don't give a fuck. But I, I just, I slightly, I, I understand, Phil. You're saying with the price point comes down, you obviously will get, uh, you will get more people buying it. Obviously, you will. But I just think, like what you're saying, the genie is out of the bottle. The clothes have been shown up for what they're doing. And look, we're obviously here on Liverpool podcast. Fan, uh, fan media is 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 huge now. It's bigger than it's ever been. And all these people pushing it to to give your money to food banks, etc. At all the twenty league clubs that has kicked in, and it's it's really showing up the clubs. And I think that will keep going, even if they do drop it down to a fiver or seven quid or whatever, or whatever they drop it down to. I I can see it not catching on uh, the way that the, the way that they they think it will, and that's a, that's a good thing. So Nilo, if if uh, if you could do that, do you think it would make football more alive again? If we could do what Andy brought it, made us made fans feel important, made fa- cater for uh, you know develop a pricing system, a TV, uh, and access to your football club, uh, develop something like that, make us feel important again. What's it's not what it's about. I mean, making us feel. It's just what it is. No, it's not so much wanting to feel important or wanting to feel part of it because. Because you're paying a hundred quid for the jersey, so they don't really give a shit about you. It's the fact that I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm fucking old and antiquated in the way I'm thinking that football is. I, th- I think I think it's I think it's success, isn't it? Success widens that the, the more successful your club becomes, the wider that gap becomes between the fans, the the common fan and the club. <laughs> And that just, I think it just keeps going wider. All the club are interested in is making money. You know yourself, or the four of or the three of us, four of us here, know that when Roy Hodgson was Liverpool manager, you'd have absolutely no problem getting a ticket. You'd rock up to okay, a game, exactly. any game you wanted to go to, you get it, you get tickets for, you get tickets for the game. Uh, there's, there's not, uh, there's no issues kind of that way. It's a lot more, it kind of feel a little, it feels a lot more like homely and family. Like, I know it's just because, because, like, because, yeah. the team, because the team is shit. You know, like as, going, as things feel. as things spoil, get more successful. I think the gap just widens, becomes harder to get tickets you know, for everybody. Nowadays, you see the redevelopment in it, and it's much more welcoming. It's a better place to be, and all that shit. I think behind the facade of all that crap is it's a much better place to be, but it's also generated just to take every last cent out of your fucking pocket. Mm. I think there's a bit of it. There's a two, there's a two facedness to it. There's a there's a dichotomy between football for the fans but it's not football for the fans it's football to take the last fucking 10 cent out of your, ma- out of your pocket for the fans and well, maybe I, that's just maybe that's just the modern world we're living in I don't fucking know and I'm is. not blaming I'm not blaming Liverpool what I'm saying is football in general is there's a massive disconnect mm-hmm. for yeah. me like, Andy, 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 I, Phil, I, Phil I, makes the best point there um, eventually you fall at at what, what people are prepared to pay. You know, when you switch your assets to the point of absolute saturation, people get pissed off and they turn their back and they find something better to do with their time. That's what's going to happen. Um, it's and <clears throat> I, I think we sat here and slaughtered Sky over this, but it's really the clubs um, trying to make up for their loss of revenue. Correct. But people people will um, will eventually get pissed off and people will turn their back on, on football. And I've never seen as much bad press about football as I have in the last kind of couple of weeks with this. It's it's really pissed people off. Um there there is a lot of people struggling at the moment in all seriousness. And there there's also, 
you know, a lot of stuff talk about the um the league moving to Europe. Uh, okay, no, it's not like that, but but clubs really, really removing themselves from what what we would consider grassroots. I think that's my whole point, Andy, isn't it? That it's been yeah. like it was happened recently. It's just exposed it for what it really is. Yeah, that's why yeah. that's why there's so much chatter about it in the media because it's been exposed for what it is. I think it's been kind of laid down bare the disconnect between yeah. me sitting at home because I can't fucking work. The lads getting half a million a fucking week hugging yeah. each other playing football in a stadium that's fucking empty, which yeah. is fucking insane. It's mad, and, man. And, and I think like what what's like I follow mostly Liverpool fans on Twitter, and what's most horrible for us is is like this is the beginning of our. I suppose our golden era now we feel like, you know, it's a chance we have to to make up a few titles, get ahead of United and pick up a few more European Cups as well. And it the way things are going, all of that stuff seems to be becoming very much devalued. What yeah, the product, the product yeah. as a spectacle is devalued because it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't have the, it doesn't have the same appeal. You can't you don't feel the same attachment to it. Yeah, you don't feel part of it, do you? Oh, but I don't. No, well, I did, 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 just just on that, I, I was watching the the Champions League kind of the goal show on BT last week, and uh, Ren were in the, the the French team was the first time in it, and Rennies. They, yeah, they have Rennies, yeah, they, in the France, uh, uh, yeah, in, in France they've different their regions uh, are on different lockdowns, and Ren could have fans. And there's 5,000 there. And I tell you, Andy, the difference watching the game or watching the goals going in when you could see you could see five. Now, it looked like there's more than 5,000 there. Yeah. All right, it looked like there was more. But officially, they, they have 5,000 there. And I tell you, the difference in looking at goals going in when like, the fans are running them up, it just but, but kind of makes Dav, you hark back. Like. Dav, I think there's, 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 there's two bits to Neil's argument. And <laughs> Sorry, Neil, sorry for jumping in on in terms of because it is your topic, right? But like, there's a part of it that says that the product that's being sold at this moment in time with the lack of fans is a shit product, right? And and that's just basically if you look at if you look at a country with fans in the ground and you watch it on the television, I'd be much more prepared to pay, spend money on something where I believe I'm getting a true reflection of the atmosphere and what's really good with fans in a stadium. Like when I'm looking at, at the weekend, yeah, yeah, when, 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 when you see in Australia. Fucking 50,000 yeah. people in the stadium. There's a thing put out by the Financial Times tonight. I know Stefan Mack was waiting for me to go into the coronavirus thing, but genuinely, right? You look at the you look at the lines that the Financial Times put out tonight about how certain parts of the world are handling the coronavirus thing. And this is why we have no fans in the stadiums, by the way. Like when it boils back down to this is a societal problem. It's not just a football problem, right? <clears throat> and those countries have fans in the stadiums, have people in the stadiums because why they control the spread of a pandemic. We don't have it at the moment. Germany had fans in the stadium, a relative amount, up to four, two to five to 8,000, depending on what part of, of Germany you're in. They've had to cut back on that because, of again, a resurgent virus that's going on in their country at the moment. <clears throat> but ultimately, less people are going to spend money on a product that doesn't give them the feeling that they are part of what's in the stadium. If I wanted, at this moment in time, this fake noise from a crowd is disgusting. Like and I'll like go Dan back. Laughter in the fucking TV show. It's bollocks. The night, the night we watched the Chelsea mm-hmm. game as a group of people in a pub, and they they turned off the canned noise that night, and you could actually hear the forty or fifty people that were in Anfield. It was still a better sound, even though there was no mm-hmm. songs. Right, there was still a better sound than that fake pumped in soundtrack that they take from FIFA. 
because it just it's so it's yeah. so unnatural. There's no new songs. We know that if there was fans in the ground at the moment, there would be songs for Jota. There were, that Thiago song would have been bouncing around the crowds, but they don't have a recording of it, so they can't mm. put it on the soundtrack mm. that they have for the match. So it makes no sense. So it's, it's, that's 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 a huge thing. Sorry, Andy. I'll just and just then the flip side is the only way you really sell a pay per view product is that if you have that true natural atmosphere that people want to feel that when they are paying for something that they are part of the atmosphere. When I yeah, pay when I pay to see a boxing match, I'm not paying to see a boxing ring and two lads get in, punch the head off each other and not have the crowd baying for one side or the other side because it's part of the event. When I watch when I turn on the American football Excuse me. When I watched the Bears play the Panthers a couple of weeks ago and they had 8,000 in the stadium in Carolina, or you put on the Kansas match and there's 20,000. So the difference between the games with no fans and the games with fans is huge. Well, why do, you go to, why do you go to a pub to watch the match and you can't even hear the commentary because you're part of something, you're all cheering and shouting at the fucking screen. It's, it's, exactly it's about the atmosphere. It's about that feeling that people want to be part of what's going on. And if that atmosphere isn't in the stadium... People feel detached from what's there. So you here, the most important point is, Phil, people aren't going to pay 100 quid for a fucking jersey then either if they're detached from it, if they don't feel part why of it. Why would they, mate? Why? This is, this is the whole thing. Every time you push people away, they will go... If you push people to the internet, they will find the cheapest means of achieving what they want. So if, I, if I'm being asked to pay 100 quid for a jersey and I find a jersey that's 20 quid, that uh, an, an Ike jersey that looks the exact same as the, the jersey that's 100 quid, I'm paying the 20 quid for the Ike jersey because there's no point in something paying for the 100 quid for the Nike jersey. And I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. And what people have already said it in the chats. I don't know who was there. I know Antoinette was said it. Somebody else said it. I think there was a Kerry or something that said it about if you keep forcing people into these decisions, they will go for the cheapest option until you bring your price point down to a point that they're prepared to pay it. And when they ask about that, Kieran, good point. Anyone give a good guess when fans will be allowed in? Okay, so I'm going to give you my my researched opinion as to where we end up with this. And it all depends on the distribution of, and the take-up of a vaccine. So if I'm going to be straight up with you, I do not believe that we will see fans a full stadium until somewhere around September next year. And that's assuming the vaccine is available by March okay, assuming, assuming that's correct, Phil. That's right? a huge assumption. Assuming that's, assuming that's correct. For for the for how football as how vacuous it is how how it's been exposed lately does it recover from this or has it been all laid bare for what it is they're just trying to empty the last cent out of your pocket is has it been exposed or does it does, how long does it take to get back or do we just all click back in part of it again we, I, we, I, I click, Nilo, we, we get clicks back in we get yeah they give in and then we compromise and we 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 eventually end up paying what we can afford and shit like that. Anyway, um we're we're pushing on time was um seven minutes. So you want we want to do seven minutes more? Seven we'll do we'll do an hour and a half and then we're done because right. if you want me to edit this before the the Bears game kicks off at quarter past twelve, that's the only chance you have. Go Bears. Right. Okay. Bears. Okay. Yeah, dead sound. Right. Well what we'll do is we'll move on to the game tomorrow and I um I asked the lads how you pronounce that team just before we came on air. And uh, it's something along the lines of um Michelland. Yeah, Michelland. <laughs> yeah. Um so <laughs> the Michelin man. How do how do we fare out against these lads? Um some predictions, please. Start with you, Nilo. 
Um, I've never heard of them before. They won at the weekend, apparently. Hopefully, X that out. I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely no idea. I mean, are we at home or away? We're at home. We're at home. Empty Anfield. Big we're European we're night of empty Anfield. It doesn't matter. Maybe they'll. Are they have they to quarantine? No. So they didn't get here two weeks ago. Neil, no. just give us a fucking prediction, will you? Listen, I obviously don't know if there's that much fucking Yeah, joy. but when you're... Well, just, just say, you, you, I know I'm very familiar with this team. Uh, I watched the Hungarian... Okay, <laughs> Grand Prix. Yes, Andy. I've been research on this match recently. I've oh, you're so, you're so man. You've been sitting there watching the television right the way through this podcast because I can see the reflection on your face. <laughs> it's just there pretending. You me? Yeah. No, that's light behind me. The telly was on, but I wasn't watching it. <laughs> it was spores and it was spores and Burnley Phil. It was not worth fucking looking at. Imagine paying fifteen quid for that. Oh, <laughs> Andy, sorry, my prediction: yes, Liverpool three 0 Great stuff. Fair play, dear. Double. Uh, I think we. I, I saw the goals in the Atlanta the Atlanta game. The Atlanta scored a couple of decent strikes from outside the box. Um, so like they didn't really from the bits I've seen I don't know whether they ripped them open much but I go far one Liverpool I think we're still getting our shit together at the back I think we might ship one far one Phil um, I, 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 if we don't win it's a disaster let's be honest about this right so assuming that we're playing the lads that are probably going to play um, Curtis Jones comes in yeah, maybe. Um, I don't disagree with you there. Um, I think uh, uh, there was a, an interesting debate went on in the chat earlier on about should we stick with the shape. I think he will. St- excuse me, stick with the shape. I think he's going to give Minamino a go in this game. Absolutely. Right. So, yeah. Um, if we see something mad, I would love to see us get a couple of early goals and really go for the juggler. Just, just to give that confidence back into the team. Some lads are saying five nil, four nil. I would love to see that. Just, you know, that, that real confidence instilling game. Like the one thing the last couple of games have been, there's been that bit of a worry about what's going on. I just want to see it. I, I want to see us really, truly batter the bejesus out with somebody and that's how yeah, it goes. Show, also, just, just, just so everyone knows in, in, in the chat, like I, I saw what went on earlier. Andy banned them. There's no place. There is literally no place on this channel on this podcast with us as, as mates for racism in any way, shape or form. I just want to say that Andy just out straight. It's just, it's yeah. just not acceptable and it will not be allowed in any way, shape or form. Um, and we can't be having it. I know there's four white blokes here. It's very easy for us to say this, but that's just, it's it really pissed me off later on. And it's just, I just, I hate that shit. It's just some little scumbag comes in and does that. I just, I'm not even mentioning names because they don't deserve some airtime, but just, I can't be dealing with that. YouTube, YouTube is available to um, all sorts of kids, and and I, I mean that was obviously some sort of kid acting a maggot. So look, he's banned now and won't be tolerated. The comments, the comments here every great. every night. Uh, we, we we know since we started the forum are fucking brilliant, and honestly, he's made the show. And and as you do every other night with Gav, um, it's it's excellent. There's it's I feel. You know, we're extremely proud of how interactive of a show we have because we yeah. used to just sit in a in a studio, um, three or four of us. Um, but to have that interaction, to have all the damn suggestions and all coming up in the chat's brilliant. So fair play to you for all coming along every night. One hundred and seventy-one there at the moment. Uh, you know, 
I couldn't really give a shit was only 21, but yeah. the involvement is deadly. Fair play to you. And uh, anyone that wants to act the maggot is just going to get banned. Uh, yeah. We we enjoy a bit of slagging, actually. A few times I've been reading the comments and I watch myself getting the piss ripped down me, especially when I'm uh, back in FSG and slagging anyone who wants big... Um, All the, what's his name? Uh, Stephen Hawking's Jovla. <laughs> Colin. Played centre-half for Pats. Yeah, Mike is broken already. Yeah, you, shouldn't have yeah. you shouldn't have bought one down in, in, in the Liberties, in fairness. Yeah, you're starting to sound like a broken toy fighter. <laughs> we'll get Gav uh, to drop you out. We'll get Gav to drop you out one of the new fancy ones we have. Andy, R2, R2, and, D2, Nilo. Andy, can I also suggest, because we do enjoy the chat, we do enjoy the comments, from next week, what do you reckon? We'll do four topics and then a, a, a show we'll, we'll pick a show from the comments to, to have a final just a random discussion on, on, on the final chat what do you reckon yeah sounds yeah absolutely yeah, that's a good um, I, I mean like I as well the, what, what do you think we, what score do you think Andy oh 6-1 six, 6-1 one. Six, one. yeah I think we're going to go very attacking um, he'll, he'll do something similar to he did Saturday to kind of play as two natural midfielders and then play as for attacking players, whether Cortis kind of makes up one of those, I don't know, but um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Come here, take um, what? I'm gonna take us out with a song, years ago, <laughs> but anyway, no, seriously, um, that great show, Phil. Next week, we'll, we'll, we'll go with a topic, and as well, uh, keep in touch on Twitter as well. And and, sh- and make suggestions for our, our forum topics because sometimes you're wrecking your head on late on Sunday and sometimes <laughs> late on Monday. Trying to <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if there's anything, uh, we like to go with something a little bit uh, off topic uh, from the match, but just something that's kind of in the media, I suppose. So yeah, throw the topics, throw the suggestions on um, and at us on uh, Odyssey Day Trippers on Twitter. Right, we'll we leave it there, lads. What do you think? Yes, I don't. Well, I'll tell you just one more thing. I was listening to Scarna his simplicity earlier on and it made me cry. Do you want to sing it? She and I. No. <laughs> Go on. Show the emptiness inside. Well, um, you that can, looks vicious. <laughs> you can you can play us out, right? I'll unmute you when we when we put the outro thing on, yeah? And you can you can sing that song. <laughs> you better start singing. <laughs> Andy, we're still live. Come here, we're still live. This is like this is like when you get brought back on stage with the encore and everyone's going, Oh look, they're back yeah. out for the encore. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I meant to say, Gav, I, I promised Gav I'd say, listen up, um, the, the pre-game show is on at 7 from tomorrow on Instagram, and then there'll be a post-match show on YouTube at 10, and then listen we have the Friday. Up, what's the time? Oh, and honestly, then we have the Friday, Friday forecast on Friday, which is, Jesus, you shut up talking, lads, you're fucking guarded. We're gone. Good luck. I've been your host, Andy. Thanks, Donald. <laughs> Thanks, Phil. Thanks, Nilo. These are all characters. You're all mad. Good luck. <laughs> Time to fire up the grill. Time to go to Total Wine and find the perfect flavor to pair with those burgers. Ooh, I love their beer cooler. (laughs) You love their prices even more. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more.
15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Sports Social Podcast Network.